0: we appreciate you logging on to pewterpirates.com. Once again, I am Mike Neighbors, and this is another rendition of our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks, more than a few extra takes on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Buccaneer fans, you made it through the grind, and you finally made it almost to real-time action, preseason action, as the Bucs head to South Florida and kick things off against the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night. We're going to preview that game, have our three-and-out segment, and talk to Ryan Griffin, who should see a lot of action in that game, along with Noah Spence, of course, as well. He's uh, really made a lot of changes to himself physically, and he feels a lot better in this training camp. Uh, I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes, on the corner of Van Dyke and Northdale Maybury and Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations in Clearwater and Treasure Island, Florida. First, we have to check in with our voice of reason from Salt Lake City, Utah, Justin Thomas. Justin, uh, how are you today? Man, I like that name. You like that? Yeah, that's good. (laughs) It's fitting. Well, now i got to bring in uh, our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, who always provides great insight to this football team. He's covered them for decades. Uh, You know, Roy, uh, first off, I want to talk about the transition from the grind of practice, the monotonous grind of training camp to preseason games. Boy, this is the time I think the players really feel like they're kind of a little bit over the hump in training camp, don't you think?
1: Yeah, you got something a little bit better to look forward to than just uh, you know uh, another day of practice and meetings and stuff like that. You really you've got a, a more focused objective to look forward to a game. Um, and, and look, even for the guys who are going to play fourteen snaps, um, at least it's a game. You're, you're you're not really game planning, so you're not really in game week mode yet. But the opportunity to get out there and uh, just, just play some real football against somebody else. Uh, that, that kicks your energy level up a notch. Uh, everybody gets a little more excited about things. And, you know, it's your first opportunity to test, really test everything that you've been doing through training camp. So um, you're not going to get deep into the playbook, but uh, at the end of the day, you get a chance to go out there and, uh, you know, show what you got and uh, see see if you've gotten a little bit better. And, uh, and for the team, that's that's important.
0: You know, we were talking to Ronde Barber after the workout last Saturday. He, of course, does preseason games and is a, is a Buccaneer legend. And we were asking him about the indoor facility. And Roy, you know that indoor facility is so nice. It's something no Buccaneer player has enjoyed in the history of this franchise. And I've noticed that Dirk Cutter's kind of letting the guys out a little bit early in practice. It feels like they, they they've gotten their work done. Like today, he had they had red zone drills and they let out of practice about a half hour early. Do you think that's good for this football team, or is it bad for this football team? Oh,
1: it's it's really good. I, I think that this is – look, I don't know if it's, how tangible it's going to be, how, if we'll be able, how much we'll be able to measure it, but I promise you this is going to make a difference with the way these football players play. Um, I think for years the Bucks have suffered as a result of being out in the heat constantly uh, hour after hour after hour, and, and not just that. I think they've suffered from the fact that, you know, depending on what the weather is like, they've had to lose practices. I mean, you go back to the John Gruden days when they used to have to leave Disney World and maybe go into the milk house and run around a little bit at Disney World at Y World of Sports, you know, and run some plays there or literally go to the ballroom of a hotel ten miles away and 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 work out there. I or mean the
0: parking garage next to the old one buck. Remember yes. the, uh, yeah for that when it rained or something. That was yeah. and in the
1: last few years it's been, you know, go over to the trop when you know the weather. And you're just not getting good work there. You really aren't. And but I think the difference now is that I think the Buccaneers are getting some of their best work done now inside that indoor facility. Um, it gives the guys a chance to really concentrate on football and technique as opposed to, uh, you know, how hot it is and and how much they're sweating and everything else. I think they get a chance to catch their breath. And I just think that when you build that up over time, you build that, um, you know, the, 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 the benefits of that up over time, I think you're going to see a fresher football team in the fourth quarter of games, a fresher football team in the fourth quarter of the season, um, and I think it's going to make a difference and, uh, you know, whether again, whether it shows up on the scoreboard or not, I don't know, but I think it's going to show up. I think if you ask these players, um, a month into the season, two months into the season, you know, how much is an indoor facility helping you? I think you're going to, you're going to hear them say, uh, significantly, especially those who've been here for the last three, four, five years, Gerald McCoy, Levante David, um, some of the offensive linemen, perhaps who have been here for a while. Um, you can ask, you ask them. You know, how how much of a difference does this make for you? They're going to say it's significant.
0: You know, it's interesting because I think on the surface, you think an indoor facility, you're letting out practice earlier, no more two-a-days. It is easier, but those are some very valid points on how it's going to help this football team. Okay, when I watch practice now with the whole dynamic with the quarterbacks, to me it's always interesting rotation-wise. Even when the quarterbacks are off to the side and they're just doing their – you know fundamental drills you normally see Fitzpatrick and then Ryan Griffin and then Jameis Winston but of course when the teams do the 11 on 11s you see different matchups with Fitz getting some of the ones Jameis getting some of the ones Fitz getting you know some of the twos then you have Ryan Griffin in the mix and Ryan Griffin to me is one of the intriguing guys in this first preseason game Roy because he's a guy in his fifth season has never taken an official snap in a a game. He's played a lot in the preseason with the Saints and now the Buccaneers, but I had a chance to catch up with him after practice today, and I asked him, this is one of the questions I asked him, about the rotation for the quarterbacks, how he's getting a little more than Jameis normally would because of the suspension, and of course Fitzpatrick being the starter. The overall rotation of the quarterbacks, how has that been this preseason?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been great. You just Whatever reps you get, you got to make the best of them regardless. So, uh, you know, we don't really know
0: going in what what reps you're going to get, but that kind of makes you better, because you don't know what plays you're going to get. You can study what plays we got going in, so you just got to be prepared for everything. And one thing I've seen, Roy, after the last couple of practices is Ryan Griffin really working a lot with Deshaun Jackson. He's getting more and more comfortable with the the, the key targets on this team. And, and you got to think, I mean, he's kind of the, the heartbeat away from the presidency. I mean, if something happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick, they have invested in Ryan Griffin. They haven't picked up a veteran this offseason. I asked Griffin, not picking up that veteran quarterback, how does that make him feel that the team has that much faith in him?
1: It does. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's a validation of all the work that I've put in here. And,
0: uh, you know, they've really believed in me ever since I've been in here. They've believed in enhancing my talent and, and developing me as a quarterback. The thoughts of Ryan Griffin, Roy, you know, from rotation to the team, believing in him. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought Ryan Griffin may push Ryan Fitzpatrick to be that starter in the opening week. I think Dirk Cutter kind of squashed a lot of that talk. But what do you think of Ryan Griffin? I'm anxious to see him in this game. And it's going to be an interesting preseason for him. Yeah,
1: I, I'll tell you what, I was one of those who thought that uh, Ryan Griffin was going to at least be given an opportunity to challenge for that starter's job. I'm a little, you know, I'm not so sure it's the best idea in the world to just hand a job to anybody, even if it's a, you know, a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, but, you know, that's the way the Bucks have gone with it. So we'll see how it works out. I, I, but you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, Ryan Griffin is a heartbeat away from being the starter. And uh, he may even be. You know, just a real bad series or two away from being the starter. I mean, if you go, you know, one or if you go in the through the first game, and and the best Ryan Fitzpatrick can do is, you know, twelve of thirty-five for one hundred and eighteen yards and uh, three picks. You got to think about making a change. You've got to have you know one or two uh, at least of these first three games, and um, you know. So I still think there's a possibility Ryan Griffin, you know, sees some playing time, but. You know, I'm anxious to see how he plays in the preseason because you're right, this is his opportunity. And uh, he's going to get a, a lot of snaps here in the preseason. And uh, they're important snaps for him because, again, uh, as you said, he hasn't played in the regular season. So he's got to get his, uh, his time in. He's got to prove what he's capable of. And, you know, look, this is another guy that the Bucks, as you said, have invested a lot of time, not just, not just well not just money, but they've invested a lot of time in developing Ryan Griffin. I think the reason they didn't feel that they needed to go out and get a veteran quarterback was because who's going to be more veteran in the Bucks system than Ryan Griffin? Probably nobody. So uh, that's important, and I think that's how they look at it. He is a veteran in their eyes, in their system, and that's what's going to be important should he have to play is he knows the system. It's really just a matter of you know, can he get comfortable uh, under fire and get that done.
0: Yeah, Ryan Griffin, a big thing to watch on the offense. Uh, we'll get into the defense in a second. But uh, one of the things I really want to see, you know, all the rookies, how do they handle their first game? You know, have Alex Kappa, who's all over the offensive line this preseason. And then you have Ronald Jones, who to me could really be that splash guy in the preseason, Roy. I mean, he's the guy, the type of back the Bucks haven't had in years. I can't wait to see what he does in this first preseason game.
1: Yeah, I'm anxious too. Um, you know, I I think one of the the real stars so far at training camp has been Peyton Barber and I think he's all but solidified um maybe a larger role than was expected of him going into camp uh as as the team's premier running back, but that can all that can all change. You know, it doesn't take much for that to change. Uh, you know, one good game by uh, Ronald Jones, one breakout run could uh, could change all that. So um, yeah, I'm anxious to see how Ronald Jones looks. Always anxious to see how the rookies look because, you know, you see more of the young players against young players. This is our first real test uh, chance to see guys like MJ Stewart and uh, and those guys, Carlton Davis, Ronald Jones, go through, you know, Alex Kappa, really going against, in essence, peers because by the time they get into the game, more players like them are going to be in the game too. So, I'm anxious to see how they do. Should they get some snaps with the first team? Just as anxious to see how they do if they get out there even with second teamers because if they can handle that, well, then it tells you that maybe they can handle a a bump up to first team duty. And, uh, you know, you you see what they do in that uh, situation. So, yeah, very interested to see how the rookies play, always interested in seeing how they play in these preseason games. Really, it's the best reason to watch preseason games.
0: No doubt about it. You know, if you log on to PeterPyrus.com, we have a rookie diary with MJ Stewart. I've been really impressed with how smart he is. Dirk Cutter has said how smart he is. And in the latest edition, we talked to him about, you know, what he's learned from Brent Grimes. And since Brent Grimes has really helped him with his positioning and and playing, you know, the little things in playing the position and making that jump from the college ranks to the pros he also talked about carlton davis how they push each other you know both those guys drafted in the second round they're going to be linked forever not only with the bucks but what they do in their careers in the nfl and he also said that uh you know he had to sing in front of the veterans and i forgot the songs but he didn't choose a good song they boot him off the stage but he quickly rebounded with a better song so he rebounded let's see how he rebounds on the field but when you talk about defense roy cummings a guy who's real intriguing is Noah Spence. I mean, the defensive line has been such a headline for this football team this offseason, you know, getting Jason Pierre-Paul, getting Vinnie Curry, getting Bo Allen. But you tend to forget about Noah Spence. Noah Spence is a guy who is a second round pick, was injured last year, but now he's healthy and he's put on close to 30 pounds. I had a chance to get him after practice this week and first talk about how those veteran defensive linemen have helped him this year. What was the offseason like for you? I mean, you see the team pick up Jason Pierre-Paul, Bo Allen, Benny Curry. I mean, I know what makes the D-line better. Has it made you better? It actually has. Like, I'm learning a lot from these older guys. And like I was saying, it was a blessing to have these guys come in and be able to teach and, like, you know I mean, tutor us and stuff like that. And I never, like, had anybody, like, older than me that, that could, like, I mean, tell me, like, what what not to do and what to do and, like, what I was messing up on and what I need to clean up. There's a lot of stuff in my in my rushes and my game that I, I, I was, like, like thought was my best stuff it was like really kind of bad so it was good to um it's, it's good to be able to have those type of dudes to come around and talk to you about things. You know a lot of us are trying to take off the pounds but the mission for Noah this offseason was to put on a lot of pounds and he did that he put on close to 30 pounds as I mentioned I talked to him about the method to the madness of adding all of that weight. You put on some weight I know you've talked about that at length this training mm-hmm. camp but what was the key to putting on uh, what was it close to 30 pounds? I think like twenty eight so thirty. Yeah, yeah round that off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the key was pretty much just having to eat all the time. Like I, I, I heard somebody tell me like that I um, they added up all my calories throughout the day. And it's like nine thousand. Wow. <laughs> so like I'm just constantly eating, drinking shakes. Is milk, there a like go to food that you you that helps you? Or? Um, I think like pastas and like hamburger helpers, stuff like that. Oh, hamburger like, helper. Yeah, help. it's a lot. Okay. It's a lot of like carbs and calories and stuff like that. So I mean that's that's helped me a lot too. Roy, I'm staying away from the hamburger helper. I was a big hamburger helper fan, but now Noah Spence has me scared of that. Uh,
1: I, I didn't know hamburger helper was still around, but uh, you know, hey, yeah, I guess good for the Bucks that it is. Hey, he's been trying to do this now since his rookie year. Um, he tried the same thing back when he was a rookie, and it just wasn't working for him. And you know, obviously, they figured something out in terms of diet. Uh, but like you said, yeah, there's a method to the madness there because most of us are trying to keep weight off. But you know, he needs to get a little bit more bulk. Um, in order to be an every-down player, that's number one. And uh, number two, you know, he even needs that extra weight just to kind of, you know, have have a little more to throw at these defense, these offensive linemen that he takes on. He's got great burst and speed. My only concern is that, uh, you know, that's real. That's always been Noah Spence's, you know, best weapon is his burst and his speed. Uh, very quick off the line. Not a big, tall guy. You know, only about six foot, six foot one. Um, not your typical. Rush end, you know, he's not six foot five, six foot six, two hundred ninety eight pounds. He's uh, he's more linebacker size, and um, so he's got to go go about getting off that line a little bit differently. Always use his speed, as, and and as long as that's not compromised, you know, this weight gain hopefully was, is going to help him because what it's going to do is it's just going to make him a little bit harder to handle for these uh, uh, these offensive linemen. I mean, they 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 have a tendency to throw these guys guys like him around pretty well. Um, but uh, if he's if he's down uh, if he's got another twenty eight thirty pounds on him, gonna be a little bit harder to move him. So that's gonna be good for the Bucks.
0: You know, the interesting thing he told me after practice, Noah Spence was. He has put on weight, but a lot of it's in his legs, so he feels quicker, and he does feel more powerful. So to your point, that's going to help him a great deal. Yeah, how do you, how, what do you see him in terms of uh, being in the rotation with this defensive line? Uh, that's, a, that's a good problem for this Bucks team they didn't have a year ago.
1: Yeah, well, when you've added so, as many run stuffers as they have, and Mitch Ryan, Bo Allen, uh, Vita Vea, uh, you still have, got, still have um, uh, Tui Kolasu from last year that you picked up in the draft. Um, Tui Kovalatu almost said it right the first time uh, <laughs> when you still got all these run stuffers it, all it means for, for Noah Spence is that he can be the specialist that he really is and you know let's face it the Bucks tried for a year and a half I'd say almost two years I mean he was hurt both years but they've tried to make Noah Spence an every down player but uh, at the end of the day they decided look the best thing for us right now is to see if this guy can be uh, a specialist you know let's see if we can get eight or nine sacks out of this guy, putting him in on third down. So he's going to be a, uh, a passing down specialist coming off the edge more than likely, possibly coming off a linebacker spot. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I think he's the, to me, he's the quickest Bucks defensive lineman, even quicker than Gerald McCoy. I think he's got an opportunity here uh, to have a big season as long as he can stay healthy. I really think it's just a matter of him staying healthy. If he can do that, uh, I think you're going to see something special out of him.
0: Right, we've talked offense, we just talked defense. Let's look at special teams, and I think that's going to be something exciting because, you know, the depth chart's always up and down. You know, you never know who's going to play in that first preseason game, but when it comes to kicker, you know the first-string is going to play in that preseason game, and that's Chandler Catanzaro. And, you know, what, what do you think of him? The, the Bucks really have been snake bits for so many years, really since Matt Bryant. They haven't had a good kicker. What do you think this new guy's going to do, Roy?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I – Obviously, the hope is that he's going to solve the problem. But I'm not so sure that he's going to solve the problem. Chandler Catanzaro is not necessarily the most consistent kicker in the world. Yeah. If you look at his numbers, you know what, 12 to 17 last year in the 40 to 49 range, that's not getting it done. Um, you know, he was he, he was pretty consistent on 50 and longer, but you don't want your kicker out there on 50 and longer. And, and with the Bucks' offense, he shouldn't be out there. For 50 and longer they, they they need to move the ball a lot further than that so you know i look i hope he's a guy who finds his rhythm and just you know makes the kicks that you need to make in the nfl you've got to make kicks that are 40 yards long and short you've got to make those if you can't make those you cost your team games and we've seen that happen over the last couple of years with this team and um you know so if he can just make the the 40 45 yarders i think they should be fine um, but again, a little bit concerned because when you look at the, the history, this is not the most consistent kicker in the world. There's a reason he was let go. There's a reason he was out there, and the Bucks are you know, just desperate to find a body that can give him some kind of consistency at that spot. They're hoping this guy can do it, but this could be another issue. Uh, watch out, man. First, second week of uh, preseason, if he's not uh, right on the money, we're right back to where we were last year and the year before with the kicking situation.
0: You know, Patrick Murray wasn't that bad in terms of numbers, but I think the reason they like Catanzaro is his his stronger leg. Now, if he can find the accuracy with that strong leg, that would obviously be the optimum uh, acquisition for the Bucks. But, you know, I look back at that New England game, what a turning point game that was in so many ways. And and the kickers really were to blame. I think, that you know, they make a few field goals. They win that New England game, and I know Jameis got hurt. But boy, that was a turning point in the season last year, and I think the kickers were a big culprit in that.
1: It really was. I I totally agree with you. I think the whole season, I mean, look, they were in a position, as you said it, they were in a position to beat the New England Patriots at home. Uh, It would have defined, you know, it could have been a defining moment in a season that had started off wrong because of the late start, because of the hurricane that would have got them right back on track. But I think that took a lot of wind out of the sails of the Buccaneers. Um, There was kind of this feeling of here we go again. We can't count on the kicker. And, you know, you ended up costing him another game later. And it just, it just wasn't right. Uh, you know, Nick Folk just never had it last year. Uh, leg wasn't right, wasn't healthy, um, didn't have the power, didn't have the accuracy. And the Bucks suffered as a result of it. And, I, again, I'm with you. I, I think that was a, a kind of a turning point in the season. It, it, and it all turned south at a point where it, it certainly could have turned the other way. I mean, uh, there was an opportunity for Nick Folk to become a hero in that game. It didn't happen and the Bucks never really recovered.
0: I'm going to give uh, PeterPirates.com listeners on the podcast a little sneak preview to the uh, video wrap we're going to have on our website. Tomorrow we we'll give you one video wrap a week with the Bucks, And I thought it was interesting what you told me after practice recently, that you think this preseason, it's more important than past preseasons that this team wins some preseason games, right?
1: Yeah, I do feel that way. And the reason I feel that way is I think that, you know, there's been such a culture of losing. We've look, we've completely forgotten that this team went nine and seven under Dirk Cutter his first year. Everybody's forgotten that. All we can think about is, you know, last year's meltdown, the year before when Lovey Smith ended up getting fired, or I'm sorry, the year before the nine and seven season when uh, you know Lovey Smith couldn't get it done. Uh, you know, just constant losing. And and ten years, eleven years now since they've been in the playoffs. It's, there. there's a culture of losing with this team, and that's got to change. And I think the best way to change it is to go out, and I know it doesn't mean anything, but I think at some point you've got to start winning with a team like this. Winning in the preseason actually matters, in my opinion. This team has been through so much losing. I think winning is going to matter, uh, no matter how they win. It doesn't matter if you know they go out and score three touchdowns in the first quarter with the first teamers. That would be great. Or if they 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 come back uh, in the fourth quarter with uh, you know Ryan Griffin at quarterback and a bunch of guys who aren't going to be on the team you know scoring the touchdowns and, and pull it out late. I just think winning is going to matter for this team. It's going to build some confidence because you know what, winning is contagious. I think losing is contagious, but winning is is for sure. And uh, I think if the Bucks can win some in the preseason and win, you know. In a in a representative manner, in 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 an impressive manner, I think it's going to build confidence that they're going to that can fuel them through the beginning of the season.
0: You know, my last thing before we get to our three and out segment, there's so many moving parts. We talked about the quarterback rotation in terms of Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're a dirt cutter, you know we mentioned Ryan Griffin already, but in terms of Fitzpatrick and Winston, how do you approach these preseason games? Because you got to get Fitz ready, but you also you can't leave Jameis just on the sideline either.
1: No, you can't, and it looks like what they're going to do is they're going to try to give uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick a quarter and then Jameis Winston a quarter, and then the second half is probably going to belong to Ryan Griffin, and I think that's a good way to go about it. I think that's a lot of good snaps for, uh, for both quarterbacks. I think that gives Ryan Griffin uh, – I'm sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick a chance to uh, get the work in that he needs because, you know, let's face it, he hasn't played a lot the last uh, year or two, so I think he, that's good for him. Uh, it gives Jameis Winston the opportunity he needs to, to get his game in order, um, to work on the little things that he's got to work on to get himself ready for uh, week four. And, uh, you know, it gives Ryan Griffin plenty of time to, you know, to get ready as well, uh, you know, should that uh, moment come where he's got to step in. So I, I think it's a good idea. The only thing you fear, and I really, and sometimes I wonder, is like, you know, you can't go in afraid all the time. You can't put bubble wrap on these guys and say, right. well, I'm worried that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be out there with a, a makeshift offensive line. And the same with Jameis Winston. You know, look, these are NFL players. And, and and if you call the right game plan, you shouldn't have to worry about that. And I think the game plan is going to be heavy on the run game, which is probably why you're seeing instead of the design being, you know, two series for for the starter and maybe two more series for Jameis Winston, they're getting a whole quarter, my guess, guess is that there's this is going to be a heavy run-oriented preseason for the Buccaneers. I think they're going to try to establish the run game in, or, in order to protect their quarterbacks but also get them uh, the looks they need.
0: Well, I will say this. Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick are routinely the last two players off the field for different reasons. Winston, of course, notorious for working after practice, and you got to give him credit for that throughout the years. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's always fun watching him play with his kids in the indoor facility, throwing routes to him and uh uh, just like Drew Brees, I, I've covered him in New Orleans. You know, I, I don't. I don't blame these players. Boy, you really. The kids are young. You don't know how much they're going to remember of your career. It's kind of fun to watch them play with the kids after practice. All right, well, Roy, you know we put it off long enough. Are you ready for your three and out segment?
1: <laughs> Always ready, man.
0: Okay. All right. Three questions for Roy Cummings. Uh, we don't rehearse this show. We just roll the tape and, and start talking. And he doesn't know these questions. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Voice of reason. Yeah. Um, all right, three right. Three I'll segment number one. You know, we talked about the Hall of Fame last week. We, we talked about all the TO stuff. I am a sucker for the Hall of Fame speeches. I love these. I didn't get a chance to watch them live. I DVR'd them. I'm still not done. It may take me a week to watch Ray Lewis's. My goodness, that was long. But if you had a pickup game in the backyard back in the day growing up Roy Cummings, and uh, you had these players to pick from, and you could have the first pick, who would you pick? Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, or Brian Urlacher? Wow. Um, (laughs) Well,
1: let's see. Pickup games, uh, there's not a whole lot of defense. uh, So I'm definitely taking uh, one of the receivers I'll take Randy Moss. You know why? Because at least Randy Moss would do what I asked him to do. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. Terrell Owens would he'd go out there and do whatever he wants to do. Not a good teammate, especially in the backyard, I'm thinking.
0: So uh I'll take Randy Moss. Yeah, but if you fall behind, Randy Moss may quit on you. Just keep that in That's mind. True. You never know. You never know how to, you know I'd pick Randy Moss too, but boy, it'd be tempting to have Ray Lewis because I think back in the day he'd play both ways and he would scare the heck out of everybody. Yeah. All right. Our second question in our three and out, preseason football. People rip preseason football, especially for charging the same ticket prices as regular season games. There's four preseason games. Should preseason football stay at four games? Should it be three games or two games?
1: I'd like to see it uh, scale back to three. Let's start there and see if that works, if uh, teams can adjust and get the proper number of snaps. I mean, when you're giving a game away, you know, week four, you're giving that game away to, um, you know, and, and I look, I understand that it's important. And, and what people don't get about game four of the preseason is that, you know, that's where a lot of decisions are made re- regarding, you know, the back end of your roster. You know, that's where you decide, uh, you know, players 48 through 53 sometimes plus your practice squad. But so it is important. But I'd like to see more teams get involved in scrimmages, um, in practice uh, the week before the game uh, see the, the preseason cut down to three games per team. And, um, you know, just, a, a, if you spent two of those games at home this year two, two are on the road next year, I just think it would be better for the fans. I think the, the the teams themselves would all, uh, figure out a way to get the work in. Um, maybe you have to have a few more extra practices, uh, you know, let them go to a, God forbid two a days, once in a while, but right. I would like to see the preseason cut down for sure, because for fans especially, that uh, that fourth game is a, a real throwaway. And you know what? A lot of times so is the first one, especially after the first
0: quarter. I will say this. I don't mind the four preseason games because I, I've seen a lot of players benefit from the fourth one, just need a little bit extra. Maybe it's returning a punt for a touchdown. It's a huge play. We've even seen it in hard knocks with different teams over the years. It sometimes goes down to that fourth game. and you know, You make a good point. You've seen a lot with the dual practices – with all the practices you have in training camp in the three preseason games. But a lot of times, Roy, you know this, that third preseason game, the starters play at least a half, sometimes three quarters. So those guys trying to make the team, they only have a quarter in that third game. They need that whole last game, especially if it's a tight battle at a lot of these positions. So unlike a lot of people, maybe they should lower the prices. I obviously think they should do that. But I don't mind four preseason games at all, especially – that's why I like covering training camp because you see so many great stories of guys making the team, making a splash late in these games. Okay, our third question in our three and out. We try to keep you up to date on current news. Drew Brees, 39 years of age, had this to say after practice this week in New Orleans, Roy. I think I could play till I'm 45 years old or beyond if I really wanted to, which is interesting because I've covered Breeze for a long time. And he said that at the Greenbrier three or four years ago and, and kind of indicated he wouldn't go there again. But he went there this week. Um, who do you think is going to play to their 45 if you had to pick one quarterback, Drew Brees or Tom Brady?
1: Uh, I'd pick Tom Brady because I think he's bent on it now. I, I think he's absolutely focused on playing that long. But, yeah, I could see Drew Brees doing it too. The reason, both of them know how to stay uh, away from the trouble. They know how to avoid – the rush enough that I mean you don't see those guys getting hit and sacked too much and it's not necessarily because they have these great offensive lines in front of them a lot of a lot of times it's just because they know when to get rid of the ball they they've got that that clock in their head uh, John Gruden used to talk about it all the time as a quarterback you have to have an alarm clock in your head and those two guys have it they know exactly how long they've got to get rid of the ball and avoid a hit and I think they use that to their uh, you know to the, to their best ability all the time they do use that to their advantage and they take fewer hits than most guys and i think that's why both could play till they're 45 because they're smart quarterbacks who know how to get rid of the ball and take advantage of that uh, clock in their head
0: i think Giselle's kind of putting pressure on tom brady i'm reading the tea leaves here a little bit i'm going to pick breeze because i, I think breeze the competitor that he is he would never admit this but deep down i think he <laughs> he and brady are close in a lot of records i think he wants the the competitor in him He's not going to have as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady, but I think he'd like to have a longer career. Those guys have been going back and forth since their Big Ten days. For some reason, I think it's going to be Breeze. And also, I think, I don't know Brady as well, but I know, and I mentioned this earlier, I know how important it is for Drew Brees for his kids to remember him playing. And his oldest son, I think, is seven years old now, maybe maybe eight years old now. And I think Breeze would love to play till he's 45. That would be five more years. His son would be almost driving at that point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Drew Brees. I think he might be that kind of guy. Well, listen, uh, Roy Cummings, you survived three and out. Uh, before we check out, we have to hear from the Voice of Reason. Voice of Reason, did uh, you have anything you want to add to this uh, award-winning podcast?
1: Yeah, I was thinking with uh, – y'all were discussing earlier, Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Uh, who do you think is going to be starting – come uh, when the season starts? Peyton Barber. Um, Peyton Barber? Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, based on what we've seen in training camp, there's no reason to believe he won't be the guy. Uh, the Bucks have long thought that he could be an every down back. This is his chance to prove it. He's done nothing in training camp to suggest that he doesn't deserve that opportunity. Um, look, is he going to be a real bell cow back? No, I don't think he's going to get you know, 25, 30 touches a game. Um, but they're going to use Ronald Jones, sure. Uh, but but the starter, it's gonna, unless unless he has, you know, I I think he could even have a bad preseason um, unless he gets hurt in the preseason. I think it's going to be Peyton Barber, and I think he'll probably, uh, you know, get eighteen twenty touches uh, a game at the very least, and uh, they'll uh, they'll filter uh, Ronald Jones in there and see what he can give him uh, as a bit of a change of pace type.
0: And you wonder, Roy, and Voice of Reason, Justin Thomas, if what the Saints did last year, their template with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, I know these guys are different, a little bit different than that. But, boy, if they could get some kind of semblance of that where you have the uh, the thunder and lightning type thing, that's what every play caller would love if you're Dirk Cutter. Don't you think? I mean, get that – you always need two running backs in this league, but if they get contributions yeah. from both, that's what Cutter wants. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. He wants. Yes, he wants that. In fact – He wants a contribution from Charles Sims and even Jaquiz Rogers. I don't think Dirk Cutter cares who's carrying the ball as long as they're effective. He wants a balanced attack. He wants his running backs to to basically lead the charge here and take pressure off the the quarterbacks. So early on, you could see a lot of both guys because especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, they're they're looking to make sure that uh, the, the running game carries them. So, um, and and also that's a way to you know prevent Jameis Winston from having to do so much. So it's important that those running backs uh, play play uh, you know, play up to the role that's expected of them, which could be a very huge role, especially early on.
0: Well, good stuff out of you, Roy Cummings, and you too, Justin Thomas. Uh, we appreciate your contributions. Uh, we're really adding to the menu here, PeterPirates.com. We have our podcast twice a week during training camp. We have our video wraps once a week, but really we have more than that in terms of video wraps. We have a weekly diary with Bucks rookie MJ Stewart and a new fun segment called Got a Minute where we put the clock on Bucks players and we ask them as many questions as we can in a minute. We just debuted that. You can check out our website with Ali Marpet. We've already shot one with Mike Evans and Ryan Jensen, and both of those really were good as well. We're going to be adding more to that. But, but Roy, uh, once again, my friend, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll recap this uh, on our next podcast after the Miami game.
1: Pleasure was mine, my friend. We'll uh, talk after the uh, the Bucks and Dolphins take it on.
0: Look forward to it. I'll see you on the practice fields this weekend. Bye, bud. All right. Well, thanks, Roy Cummings. Thanks to our voice of reason, Justin Thomas. We really appreciate our title sponsor, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great food, great brews, great service. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. A few extra bucks. I'm Mike Neighbors. Please subscribe to pewterpirates.com. It is free, folks. Until next time, we'll see you down the road.